welcome to Blizzard Watch, the podcast where we talk about Blizzard Entertainment and its games. Uh, I'm Matt. I'm your host. With me this week is my fantastic co-host, Anne. How you been, Anne? What we've been doing this weekend? Well, I know one thing you did this weekend, but you talk about whatever you want right now. I was going to say, I finally got the Siege of Boralus done, thanks to a tank, Rossi. Oh, <laughs> was a good tank. It was a team effort, but yeah, I was... I'll, I'll be up front. I haven't tanked a Mythic, other than a couple of failed pug attempts this expansion because i just it hasn't happened yeah. my guild has like my guild has all these tanks like there's a dozen tanks in the freaking <laughs> we guild have just so everywhere. many tanks yeah tanks, so tanks, tanks hasn't been necessary it's been healers that have been really hard to get yeah so last night you're like you know do you want to go and i was like yeah um, I, I mentioned it so sure and then we we couldn't find a no another healers in my guild were on so we pugged the whole thing and it actually went okay for a completely pugged mythic. Well, the thing is, too, is I think everybody else in that group... I, actually, I don't know if the healer had done it before or not, but I know that the other two DPS, when I signed up for that group via the group finder, it specifically said that it was for the quest, um, for, for the Siege of Boralus quest, which meant that both of these people hadn't done it before either. So I was like, okay, I would rather go in here with a group of total newbies because then I won't feel so out of place because I am also a total newbie. But we did good. I mean, yeah, I we was... had a few wipes, but we did okay. The, we had one wipe purely because I pulled too hard. Like yeah. straight up, I straight up <laughs> pulled like two groups and that wiped us. We had uh, one wipe out of sheer not knowing what was going on and then the the last boss was basically just a learning curve. Like, and at least one of those wipes was we decided to try something and it did not work. Like, you can't, you can, you have to do it in a specific order. We tried doing it in the other order, and they it's like, nope, you can't do that. So it's like, oh, okay. Yeah, the tentacles on the last boss only spawn in a certain direction, and you cannot go in the opposite direction. Just yeah. for people wondering if that was possible in Siege of Boralus. No, it's not. We figured that out firsthand. Yeah. Once we got once we figured out how to handle the last stage with the, the two tank tentacles spawning, like how to, that you have to focus on them a bit more. Mm-hmm. Once we once we figured that out it was fine. We had oh. a couple of near wipes too, so yeah, but that was a fun one. It wasn't was a- yeah, I don't think it was so bad. Like everybody behaved themselves. There was a lot of CC going on. Our healer seemed to be on top of things and yeah. Nobody got really annoyed or anything. Everybody was just happy learning the encounters. So well, I got annoyed because I wasn't being perfect, but I always get annoyed when I'm not being perfect when I'm tanking. This is why tanking is so high stress for me. <laughs> yeah. Because I want it to be perfect. And if I'm not doing it perfectly, then I'm annoyed. And I hadn't tanked seriously in quite some time. So it was very much a matter of, okay, this is how tanking works. And then it was like, okay, this is how tanking works on this class that I have not tanked on. In quite some time i just switched to it for this expansion so i'm like oh i don't have any shield slam what do i do oh yeah i have to use this ability but yeah you did I, good though I, I what i thought about the whole thing and I, I wanted to talk about this but i don't know where to talk about it so i'll just talk about it here i think that's possibly the best ending for a mythic that i've seen i haven't mm. gotten to see king's rest yet but until i get to see king's rest that was like man that was really something I can do King's Rest now, apparently. I unlocked it. You did the war campaign? Um, yeah, I, I finished yeah. all of the war campaign and everything else. Um, that was the other thing that I did this weekend, was I finished the war campaign, which was interesting. There was a lot going on there. and My, my Chandra's Feathermoon cr- crush has never been higher. <laughs> Seriously, from the whole war campaign. I'm just, just glad she's on my roster now. I was waiting for her. I'm like, when are you going to, you know, join the merry band here? Because 
You're gonna. I'm pretty sure you're gonna. Everybody else I've talked to has. Why haven't you hopped on board here, Chandris? And she just waited until we were done with everything and then said, okay, I guess I'm in. So yeah. that's fine. Um, yeah, the the cinematic, I don't really want to spoil the cinematic, but the cinematic was fantastic and had some things happen in it that I have been waiting for for forever. Yeah. I think if we go back to the bingo card, that the only thing missing from the bingo card, like I think I said on Twitter, is that the island itself doesn't float up out of the ocean and become a big ship. Yeah. That's the only thing that that's missing. I can't remember if I said that or Joe said that. I think that was a Joe thing. I think Maybe. Joe said that initially, but I was totally on board with that because um, why not? <laughs> the island is a bit bigger than we realized, so mm-hmm. I don't think it would work now. Like, it's I it's think... a lot larger. <laughs> Yeah, but yeah, it, it was. It's I don't know. It's a really satisfying ending. The the feeling of the the between the war campaign and this story, it's a it feels like a satisfying place for for the pre next step. Like this this patch, this story arc, this chapter feels well completed. That's why I wanted I will, to get on my horde. I know? will say this much. I was not particularly happy with what happened with Jaina in um, War Crimes, because at the end of it, she just seemed to like be like, oh, yeah, I guess everything's great again. Hooray. And that was that. And to me, I was like, that's not there's nothing satisfying about that at all. Like what what just happened here? She just like it just took somebody telling her for her to change her mind and suddenly everything is OK again. Like that doesn't make any sense. And this was, I think, probably the most satisfactory conclusion to her story that there could have been, honestly. This was this was the stuff in war crimes only handled appropriately because she came out of it, but she came out of it in a realistic fashion. fashion. It wasn't just somebody saying, well, yeah, you should totally get over things. And she was like, okay, yeah, no. No, she actually like dealt with some serious stuff and had some character progression. So I was really happy with that. Yeah. Um, the whole story from beginning to end, I was, I was just, I was really happy with how they handled Jaina, and I can't wait to see what they do with her next, along with some other people who I won't mention on the podcast. But um, I'm wrapping up. I know you're. I just need to slap some images in there. I know you're lore about a very particular character <laughs> from all of that stuff on the Alliance side. So. Yeah, it it was really cool, but we got other stuff to talk about, so we should get into that with the old top stories deal. Um, last week, I mean, one of the weird things about us doing the show when we are is that it's a little bit less time than usual between episodes. But last week we talked about um, the first, you know, Aldir just opened when we were recording and so forth. The Warfront came up last week, and we talked about that a little bit. But this week the uh, Horde got it. I feel like we it. need to talk about Warfronts more. Yeah. Horde finally got the the ability. They f- they finished up the uh, turn-ins and got the Warfront active. So if you're Horde side right now, you Wasn't can actually go like in and do just, the Warfront. Just yesterday or the day before? It was yeah, it was Sunday. Yeah. Okay. It was like Sunday early. And so, yeah. don't Warfronts reset on Tuesday? I it said that it's six days. Yeah. When I was looking at the bar, I was like, it said that you know this the thing was going to go for six days. So I don't know if it resets on Tuesday. I think maybe it doesn't. I really don't know how so it works. Do they do the turn-ins, and then once the warfront gets unlocked, it's six days after that warfront gets gets unlocked, and then it'll revert. I don't. Do you got me? I really don't know. I think what I mean, happens is at the end mind, of this. Keep in mind, folks, that this is like this is the first time we've seen it in action. 
yeah, on the live server. Been, so there's also been a lot of not telling people stuff. Like I'll be upfront yeah. here. One of the things that was annoying to me was that there was no sign that this was going to be just one faction gets to do it at a time. Oh, no, I they, thought, they mentioned that at the beginning. Mentioned it, but they didn't tell you that when you were actually doing it in game. Oh, yeah. You know what I mean? There's like a lot of people were expecting to get in there and do it and play it. And it's not playable if you're Alliance right now. Alliance still have – the zone is still Alliance controlled on the realm. If you go to Arathi, you can still farm rares if you haven't already. You can still run around the zone, and it's friendly to you while the Horde is doing the Warfront. Um, so it flips back and forth, but it's not clear to people that that's what's happening. So that could have been communicated better, uh, I think, frankly. I think In my big thing is is it's like it was like, hey, cool, the Warfronts have opened up last Tuesday, and we didn't see Warfronts actually become available until yesterday. Like only one faction gets to do them right now, and then the other faction will have a week of getting them set up, and then they'll get to do them. Was so anyone is... expecting that? You know, I kind of thought it was just going to start. I didn't yeah. realize. Yeah, I get what they're doing with it. It's kind of like harkens back to the old days of, uh, you know, Silithus and the the, the turn ins of stuff. I get that, but I feel like maybe man, you know, expectations could have been managed a little better or something. So people knew, okay, this is the lead up to it. This isn't actually going to be the warfront. That's another week or however long it was going to take. And the thing is, is like they put out one of those, here's a guide to warfronts thing. And when you read through their guide to warfronts thing, it doesn't really mention the timetable at all or, or how that works. And I feel like they could have communicated that a lot more clearly because it just wasn't it was just kind of a mystery. I mean, don't get me wrong, going back to Arathi and seeing it all remade and, and reimagined and very shiny and new and strong guard looks amazing. And it all looks cool. And the rares are great. The mounts and the pets and the toys that you can get, that's all great. It's just <laughs> when you finish doing all of that stuff, it's kind of like, well, well now, now what's supposed to happen? Like, isn't something supposed to happen? Isn't there something we are supposed to queue for or, What's going on? Okay, so the other side is collecting stuff. All right, I get that. So what happens when they finish? Does that mean that we get to fight each other? No? Okay. Well, when do we get to do that then? <laughs> yeah. I, I definitely think that there is a certain amount of, like, you know, I feel like if you're a Horde player, like last week, the Alliance was running around farming Doom's Howl and getting, uh, you know, getting their uh, various epics. And then you were, all you could do is turn ins. And now you get to do the Warfront. You get to do like, you can get a 370 epic from the quest. You you can do stuff. You can farm epics. And, you know, the Alliance are kind of just sitting around going, so what now? There's a little bit of that to it. Don't get it, me and... wrong, because I'm not complaining. I did get like a 370 trinket off of Doom's Howl. So like, I mean, I'm and not... I got, I got a mount. I got, I got the Raptor off of Skull Splitter. Ooh, nice. It, yeah, I didn't even know that it dropped a mount. I was just killing rares. <laughs> and every time I killed a rare, I looked at my map. I'm like, oh, there's another star right over there. I'm going to go kill that one. So then I killed that one. And then it's like, oh, there's two more over there. Okay, I'm going to go kill those. And before I knew it, I had a mount and I think like three pets. No toys. Yeah. No, wait, I did get one toy, but mostly, no toys. mostly pets. <laughs> there's, there's a lot to like about Warfronts, and I actually enjoyed taking all three of my 120s through and getting some stuff for them. Yeah. But one of the things I, I – when I'm saying that there's problems, the problems I'm having are purely problems of a communicative nature. They didn't 
tell us enough w- in, in a way that was like clear and easy for everyone to grasp. I feel like making the scheduling thing front and center was, is really something if that they, they should had, work on. If they had laid it out clearly straight up, I, I, I legit would not have a problem. And I don't really have a problem now because it's like there's still fun stuff to do. I started doing um, island expeditions because I hadn't done that yet. And those are wildly entertaining. Those can be like I I've done a few of them. Um, yeah. I've done the epic ones. I haven't done the mythic one yet. I've just done the regulars. Yeah, the 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 epic ones are kind of like it, it was neck and neck. I didn't know what was going to happen, yeah. and we're being attacked by trolls. Like they had trolls in there, and you know how they they program the NPCs with like different like they're not they don't act like NPCs. They're supposed to act more like players. There's one that was trash talking me real hard. Oh yeah. Like, like, and it, it it worked because I got mad and I turned my death knight began chasing that one around and just killing that one. <laughs> and it worked, you know, it was quite effective. It, it made me act like a jerk. That's the part uh, that I like about it, though, is it's like the opposite faction NPCs. They aren't just I mean, they talk to each other and then they talk to you and then they like they'll yell at you or, you know, you have Sneaky Pete out there wreaking havoc. He just shows yeah. up. I we. The the third one that I did was was the group with Sneaky Pete and the Orc and who's the third one? I don't remember what the third character is, but anyway, um, Sneaky Pete's the only important one anyway. Uh, so while we were doing stuff on the island, we didn't engage the Horde party at all. Mostly we were just, you know, gathering Azerite as fast as we could. We mostly ignored the other side, but every now and again, out of nowhere, Sneaky Pete would just pop up. No, neither of the other two would pop up. It was just Sneaky Pete acting on his own and being, yeah, being a, a jerk. Rogue. Being a jerk, yeah. It was it was pretty great. <laughs> yeah. When I did it, they attacked us. But but I mean, like I said, it's not like there's not a lot of things to do. Yeah. If anything, if it was, if you could just go in and farm endlessly, you'd quickly like you'd you'd collect you'd collect a ton of epics and get so much war resources so fast. There's a reason there's limits on it. There's a reason that they make it so you have to do it in certain order. So it isn't just throwing gear at you and, and completely yeah. trivializing everything. And that's that I completely fine. understand. That's, that's, yeah, fine. that's fine. I totally get that with the Warfront thing. I totally get why they're pacing it out the way that they're pacing it out. That's fine. I just wish that they had laid it all out for us ahead of time so that people weren't going in there and getting really confused when they can't do the thing that they thought they were going to be doing. You know, I I feel like not even so much that needs to be laid out ahead of time. I feel like the actual interface in the game needs to be a little clearer. Like that bar yeah, going up, that would I, help. That I didn't help. know. I didn't know we weren't doing the turn-ins because there was nobody who said anything about that in game at all. Nobody mentioned the turn-ins, so I'm looking for. I'm trying to figure out how do I do the turn-ins. I want to make this bar go up faster, and they're like, "No, we don't do that. That's the other side." And I was like, "Oh, oh, okay. So because we have it, so why would we turn in? Yeah, we don't want to make the war the fight happen faster. We we have it. Okay, I understand that. So I feel like a little bit of that could have been put in. But moving on from that. Uh, I wanted to talk about the Overwatch League really fast because 20 Overwatch League teams in Season 2 seems like a lot. It is a lot, but it's a lot in like a good way, I think. Um, so they added a bunch of new teams. There are six more teams that have been added. Um, we mentioned Atlanta and Guangzhou, but there's also two other Chinese chi- teams. There's Chengdu and... Um, I don't know how to pronounce this other one. I'm going to say Hangzhou, but I'm probably wrong. Uh, Paris, 
which we had heard rumors about Paris. So Paris is the thing that's going to be happening. And not one, but two Canadian teams. There's going to be Vancouver and Toronto. And then there's also going to be a team for Washington, D.C. So, yeah, eight new teams. That's, yeah, bringing the roster up to 20 teams that will be competing next season. That's going to be nuts. <laughs> yeah, so you've got three three teams coming in China. Yeah. Uh, two in the U.S. and two in Canada. Isn't there also like in the European no, ones are coming too? Right? Yeah. Um. Wait, is it three in China? Yeah. Yeah. There's three in China. And wait, what did you say? I'm sorry. There's two new Canadian teams with with Vancouver and Toronto. There's yeah. two U.S. teams with Atlanta and D.C. There's the team in Paris and the three Chinese teams. That's yes. the total coming in. So that's just like that is a lot. That's like a how how many teams did we already have? We had twelve. So that's an expansion almost double. We just had eight added. Yeah. Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah, we went from a dozen teams to twenty in Man. one in one like just like over the course of a few weeks. <laughs> like, I knew that the, I knew that the Overwatch League was pretty successful its first season. Like you yeah. know, the very fact that it it had the, the streaming numbers that it did, I, I wasn't surprised that it expanded. But I my feel, word, yeah, I feel like there were a bunch of people that were kind of hanging back from that initial season because they just wanted to see how it was going to play out. But you can't really deny the viewing numbers or the amount of sponsors that they've got or the fact that they are broadcasting on ESPN and Disney XD along with Twitch and pulling in those kind of impressive numbers on Twitch that they're pulling in. I mean, is this a success? Like, hands down, season one was absolutely a success a success um the world cup the world cup was pretty great too i didn't catch more than just a little bit of it because i had a very busy weekend here but what i did catch was pretty amazing um because it just it kicked off this weekend um anyway the only thing that i'm hoping here and i don't know because like i said they still haven't announced any season two dates or what the season two schedule is going to look like but i'm kind of hoping that this means that maybe they won't be playing quite as many games in total like maybe the schedule won't be quite so grueling because there were a lot of players in the league that were really affected by both the amount of games that they were playing the amount of stress that they had while they were playing and the amount of time that they were devoting towards like practice and that kind of thing and we had players that just simply burnt out because they couldn't they couldn't deal with it all. And I don't blame them because that's, that's a crazy schedule. It's a crazy schedule that these guys were keeping up just to, you know, play video games. I mean, yeah. it's eSports, oh. don't get me wrong, but I'm hoping that maybe with the addition of the new teams, it'll relax everybody's schedules a little bit so maybe there's not as much stress going on to these players' backs and they can continue to enjoy what they're doing and give us a really good show. Because they did give us a really good show last year. Yeah. Or last season. Uh. Not Maybe last year. This, this <laughs> I mean, it year. just ended two months ago. Anyway. <laughs> uh, but I do want to actually talk briefly about the Overwatch World Cup. Um, yeah. Because for for one reason. One is that my adoptive country and my home country fought in a stage. They dominated. Basically, the Los Angeles uh, stage of this whole World Cup was dominated by the U.S. and Canada. Oh, yeah? Those those were the two big teams. Uh, those were the teams that were like just winning everything. And they went head-to-head. In a, in a, a match. On Sunday? Yeah, Sunday. And uh, this is the one that I got to see. And this was the first map Canada lost was oh. the first map. Yeah, U.S. won 3-1 to one against Canada. Oh. Um, and it was it was a 
hard game to watch. Uh, but not, not for being bad. Just, you know, you're sitting there going, oh, God, no matter who wins, I lose. It was like one of those comic books where it's like, you know, the Avengers versus the Hulk, no matter who wins, I lose sort of thing. It was like that because it was really well done, really, really well played. Uh, I don't know anything about what's going on. So I'm sitting there going, wow, uh, this is really amazing. And I have no idea what's going on. But, yeah, it was the U.S. won. Uh, kudos to you guys. You know, congratulations on winning that that match. But the uh, U.S. is the champion of the Los Angeles group. But Canada still advanced to BlizzCon alongside the United States. So that's great. Uh, I'm happy that both of them will get there. BlizzCon is going to be wild. (laughs) If you are attending BlizzCon, make some time to try and go catch some of the esports stuff that's going down while you're there. Right now, as of right now, because the September 14th stuff hasn't happened yet, so the uh, Bangkok group stage hasn't happened. Right now, the teams heading to BlizzCon are South Korea, Finland, United States, and Canada. And we'll get the rest when the other stages get set up. But that's, you know, the U.S.-Canada match was just like, you with the, with the Overwatch League around, sometimes you forget what non-league players can do. But this was really, really amazing. Uh, so I feel like the expansion of the league can't happen fast enough at this point, quite frankly, because there's some really talented players out there. So we'll see what happens with that. But yeah, U.S.-Canada was a heartbreaker. But, you know, U.S. won. I'm looking forward to seeing what happens with the rest of it. But yeah, again, if you are attending BlizzCon, make some time for yourself to actually like go check out the esports stuff because it's fun to watch in person. Yeah. I mean, even if you enjoy watching it streaming, it's it's almost an entirely different experience when you're there in person. Um, I didn't catch any of the Overwatch stuff because they weren't really doing much in the way of Overwatch stuff the last time that I was at BlizzCon, uh, but I caught some of the hero stuff that was going on. And just being there in the crowd and watching it all go down was crazy. Like, the amount of energy in that room is just nuts. It's fantastic. (laughs) Speaking of energy and stuff like that and competition and so forth, uh, with this being the first week that Mythic and LFR are open in uh, Aldir, that's tomorrow those open up as we're recording this, um, we should probably talk a little bit about the first week of Aldir and what's going to be happening uh, Mythic. One of the things happening for Mythic is that Method is actually going to stream it. Oh, really? They're going to, yeah, they're going to stream themselves doing Mythic Aldir. Ooh, that should be fun. And that's pretty unprecedented because usually people don't want anyone to see them them do the Mythic stuff. They they want to go into the race and keep their technique secret and hope to you know get out ahead fast. This time though, Method's going to stream it. So you, if you want to watch some of the best WoW players in the world play world of warcraft that's you finally can um that's pretty amazing up front uh i i i don't know that i'll get a chance to watch it but i'm I'm definitely interested in seeing so just just from the you know having seen it myself seeing how they do it on a much higher difficulty if nothing else it would be like oh okay so maybe that strat will work or wow that's what they have to do to get through it that's that's happening LFR is only wing one, of course. Uh, for, it's usually the first three bosses. I don't actually know which three bosses it's going to be this time. I know the first two. Obviously, it's going to be Talok and Mother because those are the first two. You know, you have to do them in that order. But after you do them, when you go down into Aldir, it opens up into three different bosses. I personally hope it's Fetid Devourer, who is easy mode. Fetid Devourer, you hope you get him as the third boss in LFR because it is a patchwork fight. And if you're melee... You love patchwork fights. Finally, a fight where I can just stand here and hit him. Stand there, and, stab it in the butt, don't die, and that's yeah. it. 
There's a, there's a little more to Those it. Those are the there's best a, bosses. <laughs> yeah. There's a little more to Fetid Devourer than that. There's an ad that come. There's ads that come in. One of which the range picks up. One of which the melee goes to. But usually the melee goes for the closest one, and it's fine. Uh, just in general, though, um, Oldier as a raid. Story-wise, it's kind of hard for me to judge because I I didn't level Horde yet. Like, I, I, if you're watching the stream, I'm forcing my Torin to jump up right now so he doesn't disconnect. Uh, I'm just starting on the questing over there, and I didn't on the beta. I only did like uh, Nazmir. So I mean, I do know some of it because I did Nazmir, but there's still a lot to it that I, I've yet to pick up, and I feel like it will help me when I finally finished leveling Horde because I'll finally understand. Oh, that's what's going on. I, and I do to a degree because I cheated and I looked stuff up. But yeah, I, d- I definitely feel like Old Year's a raid is definitely rooted in the horde leveling experience, and it's richer for it if you've gotten to go through that. So if you can, please do. Um, but in general, I don't know. What do you feel about them streaming it? What do you feel about that? Like that's way new for for this kind of expansion. I don't recall that ever happening. No. Well, and the thing is, is like it feels like raiding in general has shifted and changed over the years. Because I know when you and I used to do it back when all of these top tier raid guilds were really going head to head and at each other's throats for world firsts and all of that other stuff. Everybody kept things really close to their chest. So you didn't really know how they did anything until they released a kill video, which was usually edited so that, you know, it looked really cool and you saw it from several different perspectives and you saw what was going on and you didn't necessarily hear what was going on per se. Sometimes there was like music backing tracks and it was made to be impressive, right? It wasn't yeah. made to be like instructive or informative or anything else. Um, and that was just how raids worked back then because you had so many people that were competing for that top dog spot that they just didn't want anybody else stealing their strats. And they didn't want anybody else potentially beating them to those world firsts or anything like that. It's shifted somewhat. And I think it shifted kind of just based around what Blizzard has done with raiding in general. I mean, they added the whole mythic difficulty thing. Not everybody participates in mythic. That's pretty much reserved for, you know, the top tier raiders until a point where stuff gets nerfed enough that everybody can go in there and take a whack at it and maybe, you know, have some success with it. But Usually mythic is either you get enough gear to go in or you're a top tier raider who tries it, you know, yeah. as soon as it comes open. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I mean, you won't see you, well, you probably won't see, I, I shouldn't make straight assumptions like that, but typically speaking, you don't see pugs for a mythic raid <laughs> like day one. I, it just doesn't no. happen. It's no. not until, you know, later on in the expansion when people have learned all the fights and done them on like normal difficulty or whatever. Occasionally you'll see people pick up and, you know, open spots or do mythic pugs, that kind of thing. You don't typically see that right out the gate when they're learning stuff. So as far as method streaming goes, I think it's really cool. I think it's really neat that we'll actually be able to see one of these high-end guilds like work while they're working. Because what you see on those videos and what's happening in that raid while it's going on are two vastly different things. And I say that as somebody who did a lot of raiding, and I mean, you were there for a bunch of it. Our yeah. raids were not high-action major impact fascinating to watch things it was a lot of people working very hard to try and get things done and sometimes it worked and sometimes it did not and when we were pushing i remember we were pushing um what was it um yeah firelands 
we were pushing, I believe at the time, heroic Firelands because Mythic didn't exist yet. Yeah. We were pushing Firelands, and I remember like there were entire fights where it was literally just, One can we guy. run around? Can we run around in circles to avoid flame tornadoes? Yeah. No. Wipe it. Wipe it. Start over. <laughs> And you, you you don't really... And it was always like that one guy or there was like two guys or whatever. Yeah. There was like one or two people that could not handle it. Yeah. So we'd have to wipe and start all over again and wipe and start all over again. And you're talking about like, you know, up to 100 tries on various bosses, depending yep. on how good we were feeling, you know, and, um, and until we finally just... got them down. That was just and... raiding. That's raiding. Yep. So, you, you know, it's very different from the video with, like, the, the, the cool EDM track and, you know, you get to see, oh, that, wow, that looked awesome. No, it was a lot of, okay, wipe it. Rogue Tulip in the chat channel says that they said on Allcraft that Method hasn't had any real competition, so they figure this will make it harder for them. You know what? More power to them. I'm, I'm just glad that they're streaming it. I think it's cool. I think I'm going to tune in for at least part of that because that's going to be, that's just going to be fun to watch. Yeah, that would be very interesting overall. But, uh, okay, I guess that's pretty much it for the top stories, unless there's anything you want to throw in there that I didn't catch. Nah, it's Monday. We really haven't had a whole lot of news pile up as of yet, so we're good. You know, oh, they moved their podcast quick. Throw <laughs> something on there. Okay, we're going to move on to some emails now. If you have an email for the show, please send it to podcast at blizzardwatch.com with the subject line podcast or blizzardwatch so we know it's for this show. Uh, as is always the case, Anne's going to read them for us now, so if you don't mind. Okay, first email is from Bruti, who says, Hello, Blizzard Watch. Long-time listener Bruti here. I have a dilemma. I have a 120 warrior on Alliance side, so I want to enjoy the Horde side as well. What do I boost? I've played most classes to 70, minus Shaman and Mage. Not sure why those two. But a little side note, I used to raid, but now I mostly solo play due to my new adventure parenting. <laughs> Congrats on the parenting. He says, let me know what you think. Uh, or she my, says, I, I my vote for my vote for best soloing classes are Death Knight, Rogue, and Druid. I think I, those I'm are strong. I'm straight up going to tell you Rogue, and the only reason I'm going to straight up tell you Rogue is because you can stealth and you can get out of almost any kind of hairy situation. You have more than enough things in your toolkit to survive stuff. But that's me. And I'm also saying that as a rogue player. So I am totally biased here. <laughs> I totally admit being biased. But For me, yeah. Yeah. I personally I agree that rogues are really good at it. Druids actually have the strengths of rogues and then some. Like they and can do pretty much they everything. They can flat out like do. throw a heel on themselves beyond just the little puny crimson vial. So they're pretty good. And Death Knight is a tank. If you go blood Death Knight... You will solo your way through the entire expansion, and you will never even notice when you're fighting elites. The only time you'll notice when it's a really strong elite is because it will take you forever. That's all. It's like, wow, this guy's taking a long time to die. Oh, well. That's it. That, I, I did the whole expansion as a blood DK, and I never had to switch out of it until I will, you know, I will, next level. I will agree with the, with the Death Knight assessment, because playing the Death Knight alt that I played for the little bit that I played it, during Legion when I was going through and doing, you know, the Order Hall campaign and everything with a boosted character. I had no issues with anything, with anything. Stuff just falls over, and I'm kind of looking forward to playing that character. Actually, I'm looking forward to leveling them through Battle for Azeroth stuff, which I didn't think I'd ever say about a Death Knight, but they're kind of fun. <laughs> they also have slightly different quests in a couple of places. Yeah. Uh, if you're doing it Horde side, I don't know if they have the exact same thing but they definitely do alliance side so 
be on the lookout if you play a Death Knight, you might get some different experiences. Speaking of which, the two classes that you haven't played, the Shaman and Mage, um, I have played Mage, but the last time I played Mage was back in Wrath, and they were very squishy, but blowing things up was kind of fun. Shaman, on the other hand, is really fun. Um, I typically play Elemental on my Shaman alt just because I really like throwing lightning around, and um, it's pretty fun to play. I don't know how they're playing in Battle for Azeroth just yet, because I haven't hopped on that alt to try things out. I don't know if they're feeling exceptionally squishy or if they feel okay. Um, so if you aren't, if you haven't played those classes, maybe give them a try, but I wouldn't give them a try just to, you know, hop in and level something to 120 on Horde. I would pick something that you're comfortable and familiar with. If your focus is on getting getting it done, getting to see the story, and you know taking use of that, you know your limited amount of time because you know at any moment you might have kid aggro, mm-hmm. I would definitely recommend. Um, I would go Death Knight Paladin, Death Knight Druid or, or Rogue Paladin. If you like Paladins, like some people really like them, some people don't. I don't, but some people really do. People who like Paladins can get can get through real fast on them. People who don't, it takes forever. So. Here's, here's the other effective bonus to playing a rogue or even playing a druid because the druid can go cat and go stealth. Um, if you do get kid aggro and you have to go deal with child, you can just put yourself in stealth and hide somewhere where there's no you know, patrolling mobs or anything like that. Indefinitely. <laughs> go take care of your kid. Come back. You'll still be invisible and safe. <laughs> so that's another factor maybe you want to think about. I don't know. Hopefully that helps you out though, Broody. Um, next question, next email is from Kaz, who says, Speaking of dragons, podcast question, have we heard anything at all from the rest of the green dragons since Ysera's death at the beginning of Legion? Are they okay? What are they doing? What's the current state of the Emerald Dream? If Battle for Azeroth is going to pivot to old gods, is the Emerald Dream corruption likely to come back into play? Uh, I have heard nothing yeah, about the green dragons. Nothing at all. They've been real quiet. Uh, the last that we saw was at the end of the Emerald Nightmare Raid when they seemed to be happy because we killed Xavius and we supposedly cleared that place out, but then you see the spirit of Ysera go under that tree and there's that remnant of Void Thing in the corner. That's the last we heard about the Emerald Dream. Was the, It ended on that ominous note. Um, but I don't think we've heard really anything from the Green Dragon Flight as far as what they're doing. They don't have a leader anymore, but then... According to Cataclysm, the Aspects had kind of expended the majority of their powers anyway, just defeating Deathwing, so it wasn't like they were super, super effective, big old Aspects, whatever, what have you, anyway. Yeah, um, I think with with what happens with the Emerald Nightmare, mm-hmm. a lot of dragons fell to the Nightmare. Like, the first boss in the Emerald Nightmare raid is a dragon that had been watching the place for, you know, millennia, and she's, I want to say Nisandra? Nixandra? I can't remember her name. But the very was it Yassandra or was it Nixandra? The, the first one is I can't the one remember. I'm about. But yeah. Uh, yeah, I know what you're talking about. It, w- it was one of the four original green corrupt, like the Nightmare Dragons. Oh, no. no. No, it wasn't. Not the very first boss isn't. Oh. The very first boss is a, is a different one. Oh, okay. Uh, but, the, but that one gets corrupted too. Okay. Um, so, yeah, there's. I think basically at the end of this raid, whoever's left of the greens is probably okay with us, but. Yeah, they're they're decimated heavily. Uh, they get hit. This is a bad thing that happens to them. Um, so 
Yeah, Nathendra is her name. Nathendra is a member of the Green Dragon Flight Charge oh, in the World Tree. So yeah, there's that, and the Dragons of Nightmare come back. Uh, the only one that was left, uh, they actually come back too. So it was, um, which really made me uh, kind of unhappy because we had helped save Yasandra. Like in Cataclysm, we actually helped Yasandra. And yeah, in the end, she comes back and she's corrupted too. The Nightmare grabs hold of her. And so she's dead. So the, all the Dragons of Nightmare are now dead, officially. They're all gone. Uh, Nathendra's dead. The tree itself, you know, had that horrible experience. So it's not looking good for the Greens. But I don't know specifically. At this point, Etharius would be the, like, the only one, like the one left in charge. Yeah, it would have to be Etharius. There's nobody else. He's probably the most likely to pick it up yeah. at this point. But they aren't going to appoint another aspect because aspects do that aren't more. Uh, yeah. yeah, aspects aren't even really a thing anymore. It's kind of up to us. It's the whole age of mortals thing. We're doing a real great job with that, by the way. We're just doing fantastic with that whole. We yeah, got our true. planet shanked. We're doing great. <laughs> yeah. Okay, uh, next question is from Wonderbolt, who says, Hello, Watchers of Blizzard. If classic servers are a hit, do you think Blizzard would, would, could, should create servers for other eras, specifically Burning Crusade and Wrath? Would you play on these servers after the nostalgia had worn off? I don't think I'm going to play on the servers except to maybe occasionally take a look at the world the way it was. And the thing about BC and Wrath is they haven't changed those continents in no. any way. If I want to go see the way Wrath used to look, I just go you to You just go Northrend. to Northrend. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So do I? am I like nostalgic enough to want to play the game the way it was then? No, not really. For one thing, Wrath changed a lot. Yeah. Like, Wrath at the start and Wrath at the end, game mechanic. Like, do you remember Armor Pen? Like, are they going to... Is we going to have yes. Armor Penetration? Yeah, didn't... didn't like, I remember going back to Nixramus... Well, we were in Ice Crown, and I was still taking people back to Nexramas to get Grim Toll. Yeah. Because the armor pen was just so good. It was so good. Yes. Did they even nerf it? Like, they even nerfed that trinket. I believe they did. Twice. Yeah, they had to because people were still going back, and they were like, no, guys, see, they're supposed to be better, shinier gear. And everybody's like, no, armor pen. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, they, 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 are they going to, like, make that system again? Like, there's, there's a lot. Doing that kind of thing for classic is is happening because of overwhelming demand from a, from a vocal minority. They wanted it. 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 And that group that is consistent of multiple people. There's some people in that group who just actually just want to play classic again. There's other people who just want to see that world again. You know that that draw isn't there for other expansions. If you want to see the Cataclysm world, like imagine if they brought a like. What would the classic Cataclysm server be like? It's like, here's the server that changed everything to the world the way it is now. But the world the way it is now is the way it is now. Why Why are we doing this? What, what are we getting out of this? Just less stuff? I, I don't know. Maybe I'm crazy. Here, what do you... Here's the thing. I think that in the case of introducing classic servers, part of it, part of the worry surrounding that is that it's going to split the player base, but it's not really going to because a lot of the people that have been asking to play on these classic servers are people that aren't currently playing 
World of Warcraft as it is right now because they don't they they want to play the vanilla version <laughs> like that's it they just want to play the classic version that's what they want to play and the game is nothing like that anymore it's so far removed from what it was back in 2004 that it's kind of astonishing when you actually you know take a step back look at it and start ticking off all the checkboxes and go wow wow okay yeah virtually everything in this game has changed except for the auction house interface but that's another story um regardless there there comes a point where you start like splintering these groups like far too much there's more than enough people interested in classic for it to kind of sustain itself that's not a problem but people that are specifically interested in burning crusade like how would you do that would you just have a server that has nothing but outland on it would you release a server that has classic stuff and burning crusade would you like how would you even rig that how would you even that that it just feels to me like that's kind of too complex I mean, give us, you know, the plain old version that we had back at the beginning. Give us what we have right now. And that's probably enough for people. I don't I don't think there's going to be like a giant call for people going, let us have Burning Crusade the way it used to be. Because like Rossi said, it's still there. You can go play through it. It's still there. Every so often I run it on some character that I haven't played in a while just because there's transmog for it that I don't have yet. Yeah. Although that's, I'll be completely honest with you. There's and, very there's very little transmog left for me in, in Burning Crusade. Yeah, I've got 99% of it. Nesgrez just said in the chat channel, can't they just lock their level anyway and RP at cap for whatever expansion they want? Yes, actually, you could absolutely do that with Burning Crusade. Just lock <laughs> yourself at level 70, play your days out there in Outland, and do whatever you want. It's to be fine. fair, it wouldn't play the same as it did back then. No, because it wouldn't. Back then, we had we actually had the the old talent system and so forth. But nevertheless, if you wanted to, you could absolutely have as close to the old. You could see all the old stuff. It's not like with classic where you can't go see that stuff anymore because it's gone. Hala's probably not going to be as popping as it was during Burning Crusade. Probably <laughs> but, not. No. But at the same time, I miss Hala. That was fun. I I liked going there. I spent a lot of time there on my rogue. I don't know if you did or not back in Burning Crusade. No, I didn't really do Hala very much. The one, the thing that I did a lot of back in BC was um, oh, what do you call it? They the the new battleground that they put in for it. Eye of the Storm. Eye of the Storm. Yeah, that was fun too. I had a lot I, of fun in there. But yeah, I don't I I don't have a problem with them doing that if they chose to do it. But it it doesn't. It just seems like the amount of people interested in a Burning Crusade-only expansion is real slim. Like, it wouldn't warrant the amount of work to put into it to make that come to pass. Classic, yeah, sure. There's a lot of people that are really invested in the idea of Classic and having it just like it was in 2004. That's cool. There's enough people there to kind of sustain that. But Burning Crusade... Wrath, maybe I could see it because there was a lot of people playing in Wrath and there was a lot of people, there's still a lot of people out there that call Wrath their favorite expansion. Not me anymore, but <laughs> it was for a while, don't get me wrong. Um, and and there's some parts of Wrath that I really, really enjoyed. I loved Ulduar and I still love Ulduar to this day. But if I ever have to step foot into the Argent Tournament again, <laughs> no, it's just not happening. <laughs> Yeah, I think I'm I'm unique in having said a long time that I didn't. I, there were enough negative consequences to Wrath that it was never it was never my favorite expansion. I really uh, liked Ice Crown, and I really liked defeating 
the Lich King, even though I I wasn't there when our guild did it. We did it the week after Cataclysm launched, so that the people that missed that initial kill could get it. Um, I got sat because they decided to nerf rogues. Yeah, I <laughs> to remember... the point where it was like, well, I'm no longer effective anymore, and our grade leader just benched us because he had to. I'm like, you've got to be kidding me! I have been here every day for the past like four or five months. Yeah, anyway. Yeah, the, with the Warriors, it was actually a question of, I had been tanking up until that those, that patch went out. Yeah. And like the guild leader was like, um, can can you switch to DPS? Because Fury Warrior DPS is insane. Yeah. It's like, how insane can it be? I took my undergeared warrior to like a dungeon, and I was doing like, I was doing Stupid the DPS numbers. everybody else put together. Yeah. Like, including the tank. I was yeah. just like, it was like, oh my god, I'm a, I'm a it demon. It was crazy numbers. Guess what we got yeah. benched for? <laughs> yeah, a, a Fury Warrior, yeah. Even I, I think I even wrote an article at the time saying, this is too good, they have to nerf this. We can't be this good. Guys, I know right now you're loving it, but no. They made we it can't... up to me, though, because they did release those rogue-only legendaries in Cataclysm, so that kind of took the sting off a little bit. Yeah. Plus, I got but... to meet Rathion, and that was great, so... <laughs> But regardless, I even with the sheer amount of people that loved Wrath, I don't think that there's enough people that would say, "Yeah, I just want to go back and play a Wrath server." Yeah, it it would just I don't be think odd. It's gonna, yeah, I don't think that's going to work. Anyway, uh, I think we've got time for one or two more emails here. Uh, so this one is from Sivus of Dethicus, who says, "Greetings, Watchers. Did the Claxi know about the origin of the Shah? Surely not, because otherwise they wouldn't have turned against Shekzik, right?" Sivus of Dethicus. I don't know, because the thing is, is Shekzir's problem wasn't that she was following a Shah or not. It was that she was allowing their people to be destroyed. Yeah. They they don't want to die. They want they want to follow their gods. The cycle had been disrupted to a point yeah. where it was spelling kind of the destruction of the Klaxi if they didn't do something about it. Yeah. It's not... It's not necessarily the fact that it was Shaw-related that they had an objection to. It was just the fact that they weren't going to continue. They had the, – the Klaxi in particular, the ones that we made – that we were working with – I can't remember the name of them right now. Oh, God. They're a faction. They're the, the ones who handle the, the preservation of, of Klaxi culture. They're not just any old Klaxi. These are the people who are supposed to be – Okay, no, this is how we our our society works. This is how our culture works. Right. She was disrupting that. That's the problem. It wasn't that it was a Shaw. They don't. Well, the Claxi are that that faction. The Claxi are that faction. Yeah. They're the Claxi. The Claxi yeah. the Mantid is the, is the race. Yeah. The Claxi are the part of the Mantid that preserves yeah. their culture. They were acting to preserve their culture. Right. Um, it, it wasn't necessarily. It was, certainly wasn't a question of you know. The Shah being from the old gods doesn't make the Shah the old gods. No. The Shah are just – they're a remnant. They're they're like – they're what you get when you kill an old god. They're not acting with the old gods' interests in mind. They're acting with their own interests in mind. Um, so the, when you see the Shah of Pride, uh, he's kind of upfront about the fact that he doesn't care one way or another of what's going on. He just cares about being the Shah of Pride. So I don't know. I don't – I don't know if they know or not, though. I mean, they clearly know that the heart was in Pandaria. They yeah. clearly know that, that, you know, Garrosh dug it up. So they know that And you that go that's in the... and you fight the Klaxi as part of the Siege of Orgrimmar. Like, there's there's a whole encounter that's devoted to the Mantid Council. 
that are there yeah. specifically. They aren't there because they're supporting Garrosh Hellscream. They are there because that's where the heart of their god went. Yeah. <laughs> that's why they're there. That's all they care about. Um, as far as Shekzir, Shekzir had been, again, she'd been corrupted to the point where she was like, the Mantid weren't supposed to swarm. That cycle wasn't supposed to set in. It went off early, like really early. And part of that was the cataclysm. But it was also the stuff that was going on with Shekzir. And she was allowing the Shah pretty much to just kind of run the Mantid into the ground and run them to extinction. The Klaxi preserved that cycle. That's what they're all about. So that's why they were set against her, pretty much. Yeah, it's they the Shah of Fear was basically corrupting her with with their with their own fear. And that's the thing that they had a problem with. So yeah, I don't I don't think the origin of the Shah would have been enough to keep them from doing it. It was they very definitely saw a difference between the Shah and Yasharaj. Like Yasharaj, they were like totally okay, we're gonna go find the heart, we're gonna go serve yeah. it. But they definitely it's not the same thing as the Shah to them. <laughs> When you say serve the heart rather than worshiping the heart, I keep thinking of them putting it on a platter to you give know, to you. After you know, after like doing the little bit of Nasmir I did with some stuff going on, that's Ew. not that out there a thought. Yeah. Yeah. Gross. Yeah. Okay. Uh we have one more email and I think we've got time for that one more email. Uh this one is from Starhammer who is a dwarf paladin on the Magtheridon server, who says, Good morning, all longtime listener and new pat- patron. Thank you, Starhammer. I had a thought the other day. I want to know what you think. Oh, this is going to be great. Is it possible Blizzard is setting up Sylvanas to be the savior of Azeroth? My thoughts on why. First, Blizzard loves the Horde. Second, Sylvanas is a huge fan favorite. Third, in the Windrunner comic, the Void seemed terrified of Sylvanas and wanted Valeria to kill her. Fourth, this is going to be the Old God expansion. So if number three is true, maybe they know that she can defeat them. Number five, this would be a good way a genocidal maniac like Sylvanas could redeem herself. Number six, if the Loa were able to tell Vol'jin to make Sylvanas Warchief, then this would make sense. Keep up the great work, Starhammer. Um, I don't think that's going to happen i don't see that happening right now the way things are i don't know what about you rossi i have a really weird theory that kind of does play upon some of these elements but isn't necessarily as cut and dried as sylvanas is the savior of azeroth hit us with your weird theory we've been going on about the idea that we think this is going to be an old god expansion but the fact that it's as shara in the war the warbringers short and not say you know, it's it's focused on her, who's a very well. It's her and Nizoth, but, but yes. Nizoth isn't the one in charge in that relationship. No. I, I keep finding myself thinking, what if with Buon Samdi playing such a major role on the Horde side and running into Gorak Tool and Thros and the Blighted Lands? What if we're getting a swerve and it's not the old gods who are the major antagonists of this? expansion what if it's death and death beings and there's a conspiracy we know from from just playing you know playing the game we know that Juan Samdi isn't working for himself he says out loud the boss ain't going to be happy about this so he's got someone he reports to the void told told Valeria to kill um 
No, it was Illyria. It wasn't Valera. The, Illyria, the Void told Illyria to kill Sylvanas. They wanted her to kill Sylvanas because Sylvanas was the true enemy. Yeah. She ser- serves the true enemy. And we've talked about it before on Lorewatch about how the death beings like the undead and so forth always seem to be stagnant. The Void is all about all sorts of potential and possibility. The thousand truths. Everything is true. You know? It's like the opposite of nothing is true. Everything is permitted. Everything is true. Everything is permitted. Whereas the light's like, no, one thing is true and only that is permitted. But death is like... But they're two sides of the same coin and that coin revolves around existence itself. Yeah, and death, the death being seen to be very much on the concept of nothing matters. So nothing is true. And nothing nothing is is happening. Yeah. Nothing will be allowed to We're just going to be here in this moment between life and death forever. So Sylvanas is kind of in a perfect place to exemplify that both positively and negatively. And I'm not in any way, shape, or form trying to take away if you're angry about Teldrassil or whatever, because we, we all know I don't like it either. But think about her as a character dealing with the fact that she has these outbursts of rage. She wants to be alive. She wants her people to keep existing. She but wants alive them to be is a people. An, but alive, alive, like truly yeah. alive is an agony that she can't quite. Yeah, she can't deal with it. She can't embrace it. deal with, yeah. yeah. She can't even deal with it like when you read Before the Storm. It's not that Sylvanas is pointlessly cruel because she gets off on being cruel. No. She honestly thinks she's doing what's better for them. Like you don't understand. They will reject you. They will turn away from you. You will suffer. Here's the thing. Sylvanas doesn't want to die, die because she's seen what happens when she mm-hmm. goes all the way dead and it is mm-hmm. eternal torment. Sylvanas oh. doesn't want to be alive either because she's tasted bits and pieces of that and it's been torture. She mm-hmm. just wants to stay where she is. And she would like everybody else to stay there with her because it's so much more pleasant than the alternative. Mm-hmm. That's all true. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There's, and I think we're going to see in the, by the end of this expansion, Threads like Buon Samdi and his master, threads like Sylvanas and her trying to deal with what she is that we saw explode in Warbringers, threads like Thros and the Blighted Lands and the Drust and the the whole storyline of the Drust being dead and trying to come back to the world of the living. All this stuff is going to come together and we're going to find out as Shara is playing a a really long game that's with all of it. I swear that's going to happen. I don't know how. I don't know what the payoff will be. But every time I look at it, I'm like, it's not the old gods. It's death. I don't know about you, but I am, after everything that happened with the Siege of Borealis, I am waiting to see if our not-so-friendly neighbor up to the north is going to try anything. Because we certainly saw enough of him in Legion to be legitimately concerned. Yeah, And And there has been stuff that's been introduced in battle for Azeroth that directly relates to what's going on up there too. So it's like that's so that something, seemingly something's happening. <laughs> I'm just waiting for it. That seemingly throwaway quest with the Death Knight looking for the dragon to reanimate. No, there's more going on there. Think about the fact that he's there. Think yeah. about the fact that when I said when I was playing my Death Knight I kept feeling like the the whole thing in Drusvar felt like they were jumping in on my act. Yeah. If you're the Lich King, who do you think you are? Yeah. You think you can just come along and start coming back from the dead? Not on my watch. I decide who does that. So, yeah, there is there is, there is is a ton of room for that, and I would love to see it. 
I'm interested in seeing where it all goes. So um, Starhammer, I don't think that Sylvanas is going to be the savior of anything, but I do feel like her story has a lot farther to go before it's over with, and we've only just touched on the very beginning of it. If you level 110 to 120, you do not see her. Mm-hmm. She barely plays a role. Like yeah. she, occasionally, she says something. That's it. It's, That's so it. there is more. There is a lot more coming. Okay. Well, that wraps us up for emails, and that also wraps us up for the show as well. Blizzard Watch. It's made possible due to the generous contributions at patreon.com slash blizzardwatch, and your continued support means that this podcast site and community is able to thrive and grow. Blizzard Watch supporters enjoy exclusive benefits like early access to the podcast, a better chance at having your question answered on our podcast or the queue, and an ads-free site experience. Thank you very much, Ann. Uh, guys, again, if you have an email for the show, please send it to podcast at blizzardwatch.com with the subject line podcast or Blizzard Watch so we know it's for this show. This has been the Blizzard Watch Podcast, guys, and uh, thank you so much for listening. We'll be here next week. 